It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and guess what? This week I am especially excited, and it's not just because I'm joined by Tony Cascarino, a recent inductee into the Irish Hall of Fame. Just last night, yeah. And I'm also excited to be joined down the line from some location in the Midlands, I believe. It's Henry Winter. Yeah, hi, not far from uh, the King Power Stadium, actually. It's the new home of English football. There you go. Henry perhaps fueling the King Power himself this season and making his seasonal debut on the podcast. The reason I'm most exp- excited is just that he's been working so, so hard. It's Clive Petty. Hey. There you go. <laughs> Contain yourselves. Uh, coming up, we'll be discussing the impending relegation battle and some indiscipline at St. Mary's, but first... Let's start at the Manchester Derby. Now, Henry, I'm going to start with you because Manchester United are the biggest and most famous and the best team in the universe and City are the wealthiest team in the universe. But if you notice Match of the Day and how they like to put you know, the games in order of excitement, they put this game last. And it wasn't a good game. Is it? Well, was it a situation where there's fear of failure dominates and so they serve up rubbish for 90 minutes? Or between the injuries and the fact that United aren't very good, this is the only way it could have happened. Well, I think one of the reasons why they like to, to, to put Manchester United on last occasionally is to make sure that um, their legion of fans don't turn off after the first game, that they will stay on and watch watch the uh, the other games and then uh, with uh, with the sort of the joy of watching Manchester United last. I mean, actually this was a much better performance for Manchester United. We've seen that the stodge, the pedestrian football uh, under Van Gaal this season and last season. And there was a sort of vibrancy from sort of back to front. Chris Smalling could have got sent off, but he had a good game. Um, Martial, Rashford, Lingard, you know, were all terrific with their pace taking on Manchester City's fairly dishevelled defence, particularly with Martin Di Michaelis in it. And I thought Juan Mata, you know, he's, he's, a, he's such a lovely player to watch, but he can be frustrating. You know, does he track back? Does he cover his full back? Does he, you know, is he tactically indisciplined? But I thought he was terrific in the first half. I was slightly surprised he got taken off in the second half because that was one of his best games, most effective games for, for Manchester United. Cass, Henry said it was it was a much better performance from, from United. I mean, when I hear that, I say, like, better relative to what? Relative to the dire ones, yeah. But did you see anything there, though, that makes you think, like, this could be some sort of framework for the future? I mean, 
Lingard and Rashford, could these people be mm. people who actually start for a good Manchester United team over uh, the next two, three years? Or are we kind of getting a little carried away here? It's a really strange, Gab, to, to watch a game when you see that Manchester City are so bad defensively that any team that's slightly well-organised can look really effective. Rashford made a mockery of, of for obviously, of Dean Macias. Can you explain that, the, the Dimicelli thing? Because yeah, I, I'm fascinated by, by this concept. Where, all right, obviously he's older. Pellegrini signed him because he'd had him at Malaga. He thought he was, a, he was an old head. He trusted him. And obviously, Otamendi and co- company mm. are out. I, I'm, I'm interested in that mentality where, and maybe you had this when you were when you were later on in your career, where you know, the manager puts his faith on you and you have to believe that you can get the job done, mm. but maybe deep down and rationally, yeah. you know that mm. you can't handle this. Yeah. It's kind of insane putting him in there against you know, Martial and, uh, and, 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 and Rashford. When I first and came- you have to answer this question without mentioning the words Roy and Keane. When I first came well, in, he'll come get you. into the game at Gillingham, I played against Barry Kitchener, who was a real old stalwart of Millwall, a real old experience, not the quickest centre-half. After about five minutes, I realised I'd just run him, just keep running behind him and just keep going. And I got in, I got in and in again. And, and you I were think, known for your pace. But this is going back to League yeah. One days. Okay, now, as blatant as it was, it was pretty clear in the early parts of that game, if Rashford just kept running on the back of Di Micheas, he was going to struggle. It's one of them, Gab, when you know players' legs have gone, but he wasn't the quickest anyway, and he was like a nervous wrecker. He couldn't even get himself in the right position to stop Rashford. I mean, he was fortunate with a penalty, and I think it was just a case of Man United said, do you know what, we're going to do certain things in this game. Every time De, uh, De Gea got the ball, he was pinging every ball over to the left side of Martial or Rojo to head it on and get the flick-ons. And also the other avenue was to try and get down the side of De Macias, and it worked to treat. They were a little bit more direct in the way they went about their approach. It wasn't as laboured as in midfield. Why? Because all the weaknesses were the heart of Man City's defence. Henry, I, I want to just pop back to you on this one before I get to Clive, but the point that he made, when, when, when you have this obvious situation, we're leaving aside Dimitri's awful form, you know, he's still up against two very fast young kids. I remember Owen Hargreaves making the argument that if you look at the number of times centre-backs get beaten by pace, especially in the open field, as opposed to situations where they actually have to defend in the air and open play, there's an argument to put a smaller, quicker guy there. And Bakari Sanya has played mm. a little bit of centre-back, and in, in, in obviously not very tall, but... Do you think you think that's something that ever crossed Pellegrini's mind? Should it have maybe play play Sanya there with with Mangala and, and get somebody else to play right back? Well, he didn't because we sort of asked about that about uh, obviously with the benefit of hindsight, should Sanya have been there and bought Zabaleta in at, at right back, which which they could have done. I mean, Mascherano is not tallest and he does pretty well at you know for for for, for Barcelona. So uh, no, I mean, Di Michaelis was just absolutely bemusing and and then you know they were almost celebrating when he went off the Manchester City fans because of what Rashford was was doing to him and, you know he should have had that penalty as well and it was interesting that Tony's point about what De Gea was doing it was very evident from early on that he was absolutely getting the ball and just peeing it forward as quickly as he could to, to, to unleash Rashford and you know maybe it's an irony that it's taken an aging 35 year old Argentinian centre half to bring Manchester United back to uh, you know their best game which is attacking with zest with vibrancy with quickness just unleashing that sort of pace so uh, maybe Dean Michaelis has done Manchester United a favour but he certainly didn't do City a favour Clive I, I don't know if there's any dissent here on the, on the decisions 
Anybody want to argue that Demi Shelley's on Rashford was not a penalty? No, it was a, it was a definite penalty. In fact, it, they should introduce a sort of booking offence for defenders who claim that forwards have dived <laughs> instead uh, instead of booking the person who actually is accused of diving. I mean, it was a, it was it summed up uh, the kind of day he was having. Really, I mean, it was a blatant penalty. What it was about, the closest he got to him all day, it had to be said. But uh, what about Chris Smalling? Because see, I, I I have a soft spot for this guy more as a person not that I've met him but from the way he actually I have met him but, uh, but, but from, from the way he speaks in public and stuff but people are going what a tremendous performance he's kicked on so so much this season under Van Howe I don't know to what degree I see it although I feel for him having to play center back alongside Daley Blint and, and, and a rotating cast of characters but he should have been sent off shouldn't he? Yeah I'm not quite sure what the um, referee's criteria for not thinking that that was a second yellow offence. But perhaps, as some people said, he didn't want to be the guy that sent off Smalling two derbies in a row. I don't know, but that should not never have come into his thinking. It was a, a very good performance by Smalling, but yes, it, it might have changed the whole nature of the game if the one or if the, the main constant in the United's defence, which mm. wasn't particularly tested, but he was outstanding well, in it, had been sent off. This is what gets me about him, though, because he's... He's definitely, you can see when he talks, and people, you know, he's, he's an intelligent guy. I thought both bookings, like they made such a big deal about how the first booking was so early in the game and it was going to affect the way he played. And the first booking was, I thought, unnecessary in the sense that, yeah, okay, so he turns you and he gets away, with, away from you and you chase him up the length of the pitch. But you don't need to pull him back at that stage. There are other defenders there, you know, because he, he got caught really high up the pitch. And the second one, again, you know, it's not like he's, he's in the penalty box or, 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 or around there. Are those the kind of mental errors that an intelligent defender like Smalling at this stage of his career should not be making? Possibly, uh, but perhaps, I don't know, does it does it betray, uh, as you said, if he's had to play with fairly inconsistent sort of centre-backs and defence for this season? Does that betray a lack of trust in his, in his, uh, his defensive partners? I don't know. Because I, I think if he gets sent off there with that second one and... City equalize and go on to win. Then today, everybody slaughters Chris Smalling. Henry, wearing your your England hat, should this be a concern? I mean, a guy a guy like Smalling in a great moment in his career, at, at, what is he now, 25 years old, something like that? Those aren't things that should be happening, right? Well, I think this is England, English defenders for you, Gab. We don't have a great crop at the moment, particularly at fullback, centre-half as well. It's, it's a concern. You know, everyone talks about England's front six and we've got some fabulous players there we've got three outstanding goalkeepers um arguably four if you, if you include sort of foster in, in the frame as well but defense is a concern i mean you know rewind to the 2006 world cup you look at the quality of defenders there you know gary neville you know to terry ferdinand all these players you know not one of england's current eight defenders would get in the, you know, Ashley Cole would, would, get, would get anywhere near the, uh, the, the the starting four for the, the, the World Cup in Germany. That is a real concern. Smalling is good, but, you know, Smalling's been the best English centre-half this season. And people also argue about Ryan Shawcross, Scott Dan, players like that, but Smalling is still better than them. I mean, the, the one thing that you can say in Smalling's defence yesterday is that he was up against the best striker in, in the Premier League in Sergio Aguero who is just so clever the way he dragged Smalling down that cul-de-sac turn and got away from him. And Smalling actually pulled him back twice and got one yellow for that. We have, we have an issue with the, with the defenders. John Stones was going for £40 million last summer. Yes. And he can't start for, for Everton at the moment. 
So I, f- I find it surprising that you know we get these defenders that come through, and sometimes you wonder how much time do they actually spend on the simple defensive drills, developing themselves, not necessarily in a tactical unit with the other three defenders, but just individually going one-on-one, making sure they don't get beaten, basically being a little bit more Italian. I'll take that as a compliment, although our, our current crop of defenders uh, outside the guys who are currently starting for Italy aren't that great shakes right now. But... Um, Clive, I, I was hoping to do this segment without mentioning him, but I kind of have to, given the story that came out in El País on Saturday, I think, and which we didn't write about because I'm assuming we weren't able to stand it up, and I'm guessing uh, that's the right decision because it seems absurd to me, but it did get a lot of play. El País reporting that Jose Mourinho... But who do you think I was talking about when I said I didn't want to mention him? No, <laughs> you know? yeah. Who else just, could it be? I just clicked in. Yes, yes. Mourinho. Um, yes. El País, well, very well-respected Spanish broadsheet, mm-hmm. uh, reporting that uh, Mourinho signed something like a pre-contract. Now, first of all, we use the word pre-contract. As far as I know, there is no such thing as a pre-contract. Mm-hmm. It's just something that we in the media just kind of invented to explain. But apparently it's a private agreement where he has to be named Manchester United manager by, I think, the end of May. Otherwise, United have to give him a chunk of money, like something absurd, like $5 million, and then they have to appoint him by the end of June. Two, Otherwise, they have to give him even more money. Like this seems so implausible and idiotic to me. Uh, and, and it's kind of like, wait, wait a second. Like, who has the leverage here? Is it Mourinho or is it United? And yet, you know, this is, this is a serious newspaper reporting it. So I think we have to take it seriously, even though maybe we're not able to confirm it. What's your take on this? It does seem odd. I mean, I suppose that the point being you take it seriously because, as you said, it's come from a supposedly serious newspaper. The guy who wrote it, you have to say, isn't really in the uh, one of Mourinho's camp. He said he couldn't be further outside Mourinho's camp before. Uh, what I've read is uh, is true. And it's funny how these things always seem to come out at a time where it's a kind of important weekend for United, just to keep Mourinho's name in there and the pressure on Van Gaal. Uh, the idea of, unless United are so scared that he's going off somewhere else, it just seems absurd. And I can't imagine that Mourinho... Re- I mean, Mourinho wants his job anyway, doesn't he? I mean, it just well, seems bizarre. The, 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 Henry, the other obvious thing is, if you want Mourinho to manage you... Why would you sign a pre-contract? Why not sign an actual contract, right? Well, because they probably don't want um, to disrupt the end of the season, as has happened with Guardiola and, and Manchester City. Although, wouldn't a pre-contract disrupt it too? <laughs> well, as you say, a pre-contract is a sort of—it's almost like sort of talks about talks, whether it's a verbal. I can't. <laughs> but is it something that's actually written? I, I agree with you. I think it's something that uh, you almost put in inverted commas when you write it in a piece, because it's a sort of. I, I think there's an element of logic in it in terms of Manchester United wanting to have you know Woodward has to get this one right it didn't work with Moyes it hasn't really worked with uh, Van Gaal Van Gaal's legacy will be you know unleashing the kids but are they going to finish in the Champions League position it's been a fairly sort of disappointing season overall so if Mourinho comes in but you still the thing about Mourinho is I understand the logic the attraction from parts of Manchester United, this desire for a trophy, this desire for a, for an impact manager. But you just look at how Manchester United is built and the people in there, even though Sir Bobby Charlton doesn't actually have much sway on who will be the next manager, he's come out in the past on the record and talked about how he doesn't feel Mourinho is a fit, obviously this is a few years back. 
Mourinho doesn't promote kids. He does park the bus a bit. I think if Manchester United, really, their fans aren't really going to change in terms of what they want from the football. Obviously, they do want a trophy. But I think Mourinho, if he goes in there, and if there is a pre-contract, I hope there's a little sort of style section in which he says, yes, I will continue promoting the kids. And yes, I will play with a bit more flair than I've done uh, previously at, at, at clubs. Of course, you got his mate to come out and uh, and tell us how good he is at promoting kids. Uh, that was a few weeks ago, I think. I, I want to just touch upon City. Somebody raised the point. I think you always is that I think it might have been Alan Shearer, a match of the day. Uh, sorry, that's how I spent my, my Sunday nights <laughs> in the company of uh, Shearer and Chapman and the other guy. But Pep Guardiola expects to come to City in the Champions League. This might not happen now. And what I find kind of interesting here is uh, maybe we're, we're just, maybe we all like Pellegrini because he's, you know, I, basically, unless you, well, you make a face, right? But unless you're Alan Pardew or somebody like that with, you know, with, with a dark, evil heart, you know, most likely you like Manuel Pellegrini as a person, at least. It seemed to me a lot of the reaction was, well, you know, Pep is going to have to change a whole bunch of these players. These guys aren't good enough and whatever else. And I find it kind of ironic that Chiki Begiristein, the director of football at City, is going to keep his job because he delivered Pep. But if you look at really since 2012 or, or, or 2013, in the last two, three years, they haven't really made any impact signings at all, other maybe than, than Kevin De Bruyne, where the jury's still out. And of course, the guy's injured. It's not his fault. But they still paid through the nose for him. It seems a bit inconsistent, right? I mean, are, 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 is it a case that these players aren't that good and that the squad management, where they all seem to age at once and they're all on enormous contracts... Isn't that good? I feel that there ain't that many good signings, you're right. I feel tactically they're all over the place. I've never really felt that Pellegrini outwits the opposition's manager. I think it's reliant on very good play. I think the one performance in Europe this this season was Seville away in the Champions League. They played very, very well, and they looked really well drilled in that game. Played five across the middle and Aguero down the middle on his own. Kiev away was good. Yeah, Kiev away. Again. Although they, given but Kiev two, away, they had that wobble in the second half when they could have conceded. Yeah, they did, but Gab, the biggest, biggest, some of their signings are just border on lunacy. I mean, Mangala for forty odd million looks a real strange player to me. But that's what Ota I mean. So, Mendy, so would you, would you, Mendy has been average. At let best. me put this on the line: If you were Khaldun, would you actually go like, "All right, Chiki, thanks so much. You delivered us Pep. Now your work is done, gone." Because frankly, we don't need to spend all this money on all these guys. And the other thing is, you look at the number of city players who are sort of in that 28 to 32 age bracket who make so much money that it's almost impossible mm, to, to sell them, them or shift them. Mm. Can I just say something on this? When you do recruitment, and it's clearly failed at City, Delph left for Villa. Okay, it was a cheap option com- compared. Fabian doesn't even look near the same player he was at Villa. Well, he's injured. Well, no, but even when he has played, he hasn't looked nowhere no. near. Physically, they look like a team that go into training. Yeah, but he has do the right passport. Bit. Remember, they need English bodies gab, as well. Gab, gab. They, they look like a team that don't train very hard. They don't look fit enough to me. That is one thing that I have an issue with the manager because I look at that team and I don't think, as athletes, they're as tip-top conditioned as they should be. I really don't. And that is part of another problem that they have. And the recruitment has been disastrously poor. No one stood out. De Bruyne has done, like you said, at times very, very well. I mean, that Sterling looks a poorer player than he did at Liverpool. Probably from that fitness level. I mean, they, as you're right, they are a very ageing team. I mean, Fernando's, what, 29? He's one of the youngest, the, he's one mean, of the youngest who started yesterday. It, I mean, it, Henry, the, the amazing thing for me is if you look at, I think City have five really outstanding players, right? Leaving aside De Bruyne. You're talking about David Silva, Aguero, company, Yaya and Joe Hart, right? Mm. 
all those guys have been there. I mean, all those guys came in the Mancini era. Uh, when he wasn't there, everybody he signed since then, and you made a face. You said Boney, and you made a face. Oh. I don't blame you, but since then, it's it's Boney, it's it's Mangala, it's Delph, it's Fernando, it's it's Javi Garcia who came and left. Are, are you sure that if you're City, if you're if you were Khaldun, Henry, would you let Bagiri Stein continue to make those types of choices now that you've got now that you 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 spent a lot of money to get Pep? Well, I think he would because of the relationship between Bagiristan and Guardiola. And Guardiola is, well, <laughs> some would say he's already dictating the type of players that uh, that he wants. Oxlade-Chamberlain is, is on the radar. Tony Cruz is on the radar. Bagiristan's role then becomes, to beca- he's the delivery man. He goes off and negotiates and gets them in and then eventually they'll have a meeting with, with Guardiola. And you would hope with Guardiola's name, plus also the financial attraction of Manchester City, those players will come. So Bagiristan should actually be delivering better players. Let's move on to the South Coast, Southampton and Liverpool. Clive, I'm, I'm going to start with uh, uh, with you on, and it's an obvious question. Southampton, in the, in the, obviously a game of two halves, Southampton in the first half, they really suffered from Liverpool's press. They can see goals on the counter. They go two, go two goals down. I thought Liverpool perhaps a little bit fortunate to be two goals up. But then they just implode. And I don't understand. When you're a counterattacking team, or your team that counterattacks very well, the way Liverpool are, how can you not defend a two-goal lead? How is that possible? That's a, it's a very good question. I, I mean, you're right. And also, Brendan Rodgers is gone. Jurgen Klopp, yeah, right? Yeah, I was thinking that. This is Crystal Palace and <laughs> Brendan Rodgers. You know, how can, it should be easy to defend a two- or three-goal lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, Brendan. Um a lot of credit, I think, has to go to uh, to Koeman here and Southampton. I mean, it was showed that Southampton spent a lot of that first half. I mean, it may be a counteracting, but half, more than half their team was always up in the Liverpool half. And they, the number of times they were caught two against two at the back uh, for no real reason at that point was, was bizarre, especially when you had people as quick as Origi and Storys to deal with. So they patently got that those tactics wrong in the first half against a team of a known counter, you know, a known counter-attacking team like Liverpool. And to give Kuma credit, he, he changed things around at half-time. Those, those two substitutions were pretty instrumental. At the same time, I think there's got to be a point where teams such as Liverpool have to know how to close the game down. Uh, and so if they are coming back, if you've got those people pressing against you, then you're right. There should be a way of saying, right, we just hang on, we just keep what we've got. And, and if you, as I said, with the pace of the two up front, just play through them. And so you don't have to, you don't have to keep pushing forward. Maybe it's uh, also a an effect of the fact that Klopp and Liverpool didn't have that kind of pre-season. So in, in order to keep that intensity going, perhaps they found that difficult to do, especially as they'd had a very hard game against Manchester United in the week. And perhaps it's been proved that perhaps Liverpool can't keep that intensity going for two well, games in the week. I'm, you know, just putting no, it out yeah, there. No, yeah, it's fine. And, and Henry, there's another excuse we can make, which is simply that, uh, which is the excuse that Steve Nicol served up, which is that... Liverpool's defenders, especially the centre-backs, they're all terrible. They're all absolutely horrible, and it's all individual mistakes. But, Henry, are you buying that? Is it really individual mistake? And if you've got centre-backs who are so error-prone... and One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. And I appreciate some of the stuff like, like, like Skirtle giving me that penalty. There's not much you can do when somebody makes such a poor decision. But should you not come up with a system that protects them a little more? Well, I agree. I, I mean, I think the fullbacks are okay. Flanagan and uh, Flanagan long-term and, and Klein. Lovren was obviously getting totally baited by the, the Southampton defenders and also getting away with a, with a penalty. But, it, you know, it's, it's the tale of the substitution. Skirtle comes on. Skirtle's not fully fit. And... Kuman um, unleashes Mane, whose who's pace is too much for, for Skirtle, and also bringing Wanyama on. I mean, all the focus has been on, on Mane and the impact that he had in the goal. But Wanyama came on, and he's, he's a terrific player, and he, he just sort of disrupted um, Liverpool's supply lines, and then Ward-Prowse came on to sort of maintain that momentum. And, you know, it's quite rare, but Klopp was out, out-thought. It's not the first time Ronald Koeman has out-thought people. He's not going to be the manager of the year because presumably the manager... He'll be the next Arsenal manager. Well, that, that's the point I was going to make. I mean, we, we, we assume it'll be Pochettino or Ranieri or, you know, Eddie Howe if, if you want to go English. But Ronald Koeman's been really, really good. He's changed systems. He's changed formations. He's kept people motivated. He dealt with, with Saito Mane's little strop. And I think, I think there's more to come uh, on that story very soon. He surpassed my expectations. He's really, really good. The day he walked into the football club and the transfer and recruitment and the number of players he had at his disposal was pretty clear that he had to do dramatic things in the market to, to get Southampton on track. And at the start of the season, they lost so many players, didn't they, in a short period of time. The vultures were hanging over Southampton, taking all their better players, all the, their so-called bigger names, and uh, he dealt with that brilliantly. What do you make of him as Arsenal manager? As Henry just, Henry just said it. He's definitely going to take over from Arsene Wenger this summer. I'm just saying, I think he's, he would be a prime candidate. And so when all the, sort of the Wenger Easters yeah. say you know that the club will end the moment Arsene Wenger sort of leaves the club, you can point out there mm. are alternatives. He, he's tactically better than Wenger as well. 
I think thank you, Sir Only Stuart Robson's allowed to criticise Wenger in that way. <laughs> I mean, I I've loved the way he's handled his forward, from Tadic to Mane to Shane Long to Pella. He's managed to use them all and get something out of them, and they've all come back. They've all chipped in with goals when needed. A talented group. He's got a lot of pace in that forward line, and he utilises it brilliantly. Plus, like you say, he's lost some of the best. Lovren, I didn't think was the best defender at Southampton, yet he he went and he's managed to make. Who do you think line. was Font? Maya? I think Font was better than Lovren for me. How good? I think he's a very good... I think Van, Van Dijk's come in and he's an absolute cruise machine. I think the game's too easy for Van Dijk. I think the biggest problem yeah, he has... I have to say, I'm going to hold my hand up. I thought that guy was going to be a dud. And I was so yeah. wrong about I mean, it. You obviously didn't watch him in yeah. Scotland, did yeah, you? Yeah, I know, but he's, he's playing but against the Muppet no, Show. No, I mean, have I, you seen... <laughs> no, but I, I, sorry, and I, don't want, I don't want to disrespect that, right? But yeah. he's, he, he's somebody who is athletically... I think probably better, and so in, he's a Rolls Royce. His machine is a flying machine. His biggest problem that he might switch off. That's his biggest problem. If he's fully concentrated, Van Dyke is a top centre. Is that Rio Ferdinand thing? Maybe, maybe Henry. Yeah, but he, 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 the game's easy for him. You can watch him play. If he were English, would he be the best English centre half? Yeah, he'd be very close. I think, I, like I said, I keep repeating myself. The biggest problem he's got is himself because he has a liability to switch off because the game's easy for him. Clive, uh, we'll give you the last word on this, and you're going to clop. That scene at the end where Benteke misses the goal and Klopp goes and does that, that that weird thing and he's obviously disappointed and some people are saying that Klopp is too emotional on the sidelines I mean sometimes he does look like something out of, out of the WWE I have no problem with it whatsoever I don't think he's trying to wind up other people I which bit are you talking about the the, the, the conversation with Benteke or the, just the, his emotions on the sideline both both I'm kind of with you it seems to be an, an ex-players type of complaint that you know you shouldn't uh, you know, you should leave it for the dressing room. I don't know. Mm. That yeah, seems players. to be the thing. Players will say you shouldn't do that. You know, shouldn't uh, ball your guy out in front of everybody. But sometimes people need to see, like to see that kind of reaction. That you know, look, it's a good chance. And if you're 32 million pounds worth of striker, that sometimes you deserve to be dug out a bit. And that's for the emotion. Yeah, why not? I mean, who doesn't want to see that on the side? That's what that's it's. Infuriating of Klopp is the endearing side of Klopp as well, isn't it? Hey, Henry, is it endearing or infuriating? No, endearing. I think it's great. I think endearing is a slightly patronising word. I think it's a terrific quality. We spend a lot of time criticising Van Gaal for sort of sitting there and, and playing with his uh, with his folder and uh, and not sort of getting emotionally engaged. Look, the best managers like Ferguson go through the gears emotionally. They know when to come out and actually, you know, they pick their moment. Maybe Klopp is, you know, stays up there too much on the edge of his penalty area and he's like this sort of some fighter's dance character and he's too emotional all the time and maybe he just needs to go through the gears a bit step back a bit and then come out and maybe it'll have more impact but no look football's about emotion i think it's great i mean if you met Klopp, you've been to his press conferences you've covered his teams he has this emotional engagement with the players and with the supporters and i think that particularly works at liverpool Right, enough club. Let's talk about relegation. And uh, uh, Matthew Syed, of course, our colleague, was at the uh, Newcastle-Sunderland game and uh, has done some excellent work in, in chronicling some of the emotion uh, that goes into it. But basically, unless somebody wants to argue that Villa are somehow going to get out or Swansea are going to drop down or that God's going to finally punish Alan Pardew by sending Palace down, nobody wants to argue any of that, that it's two out of Newcastle, Sunderland, Norwich are going down, right? Are we all agreed? Yeah. I think so, yeah. 
So let me just tell you where they are. Uh, I've taken the trouble of writing on the fixture list. It's Norwich, 28 points. Sunderland, 26. Newcastle, 25. Newcastle and Sunderland have played one fewer game. Um, Newcastle's uh, away games, Norwich, Southampton, Liverpool, Villa, uh, Spurs, Palace, City, and Swansea at home, Sunderland, Norwich, Stoke, Watford away, West Brom, Leicester, Arsenal, Chelsea, and Everton at home, the luxury of five home games, and uh, Norwich, Everton, Arsenal, Palace away, Newcastle, Sunderland, United, and Watford at home. Clive, I'm going to start with you, because what strikes me immediately is that this is kind of cool for the neutral, because we've got some pretty big head-to-head games coming up. Mm-hmm. Norwich, of course, hosting both. That's, that's both the key, the isn't it? I mean, you know, for, for, for Norwich, getting those two at Carrow Road is kind of crucial. Uh, if they can get points out of that, then I think they'll be do okay. They need, do you need points, as in, like, three points? Yeah, yeah. Because if they draw so, those because two it's, games, it's, it's a, Yeah, it's a, it's a, you know, what, without using the cliche of a six-pointer, it's three points they've got and three points they have. I mean, and the fact that they're both at Carrow Road is a big thing, I think. There's a lot to be made of the kind of managerial aspects of this, and it'll be intriguing to see, you know, Sam Allardyce, the, the old stage of the guy who does this all the time, he's never been relegated. Rafa, oh, well, it's Rafa, they finally got a world-class manager, and Alex Neal. Well, they, I mean, he could, he could finally make his name. This is a guy who's known nothing but... Well, actually, it's a big test for him, because he came from Ham- Hamilton, for goodness sake, but then the proof of them is that they plummeted like a stone as soon as Alex <laughs> Neal left, and he got Norwich up. I'm kind of disappointed that they've struggled so badly this season because I quite like Alex Neal. He's got a lot going for him. If they can stop, and it seemed, which they seem to do at the weekend, stop conceding, just throwing away goals, which they seem to be doing at some point, I think they've got a very good chance. And as I say, getting points against those two at Carrow Road is what's going to keep them up. Okay, Henry, it's, uh, I mean, I think Clive laid it out there without making any sort of predictions. The way you see it, I mean, given Norwich of the home games, but the others have played one fewer match. Who do you think is in is in the driving seat right now? Well, I also look at Norwich's away games. Everton, Arsenal, Palace. Obviously, Arsenal will be tough. Everton at home with, you know, in front of Gladys Street with their fans sort of having issues with Roberto Martinez. I think Norwich could go there and uh, certainly nick a point. Right. And Palace, of course, is guaranteed points. So Palace are all over the place at the moment. Right. So... You know, I think that's the thing about Alex Neal is that he's a fighter. I mean, I've met him, and you you would not want to cross him. You would not. You know, he is he's a tough, tough character. There's something in his eyes that's slightly, you know, even just a I, humble journalist. They make your blood run slightly uh, cold. I, 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 I met him he has too. An effect on players too. I, I met him too before he came down here, and it's funny because he looks like sort of the small, angry type, <laughs> but he's actually quite cerebral as well. Yeah. Uh, he's not as funny as, like, Gordon Strachan, for example. But he's not Billy Davis. No. No, no, most definitely not not Billy Davis. Yeah, so from what you're saying is Norwich's schedule is pretty good because even at home, I mean, I don't want to say Watford are, are on the beach, but, you know, I think they are pretty much oiling each other up right now in a, in a sun protection way, not in that way, Clive. United, by that point, maybe they'll be out of the Champions League race altogether. So... This is this is really good. Yeah, are you on the Norwich bandwagon? Can um, well, to stay I, up? I'm not sure the Man United they're, they're at the Champions League race. I think the result of the but, weekend puts them pretty close to. But it. maybe they will be by the time they play Norwich. Well, maybe they won't. I think the biggest danger is. Yeah, but that, Van Hal will still be there, and Danny Blint will still be there, and. <laughs> well, the big thing in favour of uh, for Norwich is that Sunderland are playing well enough to win games and aren't, and Newcastle aren't good enough to win many games. 
you know, their partnership. We talked about, you know, obviously City and we talked about Liverpool's defensive woes. Newcastle's are alarming. They're really bad, aren't they? They are awful, and that will take them down. Rafa's going to have to produce a miracle to stop them. I mean, he's had two games, and they've only conceded two goals, but, boy, they were going to concede a lot more than that. It's also because, I mean, against Leicester, and to some degree in Sunderland, they they just all lined up in the six-yard box. And I don't blame Rafa because he hasn't had time to work. No, he has has no time to work, but I, I, I think Rafa's could easily get them draws. I just can't see them getting wins. That's a bigger problem. We seem to like Sunderland to stay up, or I did going into this until I took a closer look at Norwich's schedule. I mean, is it going to come down? It does come down to, I guess, the, the, the Norwich game. But if Sunderland get a draw there, they're going to stay up, right? Please, I've fellow got, members I've, of the Big Sound fan conf- club. I've got more confidence in them than the Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, I have as well. Yeah, but not more than Norwich. Nobody wants no, to see. Nobody wants see. to go out on a limb until they actually play these two games. Yeah. Right? Okay. Well, yeah, I think you have to back Sunderland partly because of Allardyce's experience and also because of all those teams, they're the, they're the one who actually employ a regular guarantee of goals in Jermaine Defoe. I the way he took that goal yesterday, and a regular guarantee of effort in Fabio Barini. Yeah. But they've got to stop wasting those Defoe goals as well because the number of late goals that Sunderland keep conceding is just getting... You know, did it again yesterday. Yeah. You know yeah. they're, they're throwing away points right at the death and that's got to be a worrying thing. Well, it's yeah. all very well Defoe doing that but I mean there's a number of times in the last few games now that they should have come away with three points and they've done I mean I watched the, the going back even a few weeks when they, they lost to Man City at home. Um, they were so much better than Man City <laughs> on the day and lost the game 1-0. Sam must be pulling his error out of performances and not returning points. I, mean, I think it's a tough call. I, do we feel like... If I had to say it now, it'd be Villa, Newcastle and Norwich, Norwich to go down. Henry? Strange old season because Nigel Pearson could be manager of uh, Aston Villa, so he might be <laughs> getting plaudits for, for Leicester winning the title and while he take, goes down with Villa, because I imagine Remy Gardner won't last this week, Villa clearly down. I can see Sunderland of the, of the other two. Unless Palace continue to collapse yeah. and get dragged into mm-hmm. it, I can't quite see that. Right, enough of that. Enough of that de- depressing relegation talk. Let's move on to some quick hits. Several papers reporting uh, of a secret deal, although maybe not so secret because it's in the media, to have Premier League under-21 sides compete in the Johnston Pinks Trophy next year, which, for those who don't know, and I didn't until Paolo Di Canio Swindon reached the final, it's uh, some kind of cup competition for League One and League Two sides, which, as you know, gets a lot of attention. Cass, is this the thin edge of the wedge for Greg Dyke's stupid B-team plan? Yes, I don't get why you're adding other competitions and at certain age levels, and I just find it also confusing. What are you, what are you bringing to the table? Well, the fact that Manchester United's under twenty ones go and play Yeovil, and you get a full house. That's exciting, right? No, not for me. No. Yeah, I don't have a problem with this so much. I do have a problem with the fact with the people behind the original B team plan and. The fact that I heard one of them, Danny Mills, on the radio the other day saying that, like, well, B-teams have worked everywhere, that everywhere they have them, they've worked wonders. And, you know, they haven't. This just means that you or the servants you employ to do research on your behalf don't know how to Google and don't know how to get any information. Bayern Munich's B-team are amateurs. They play in an amateur division. Is this what you want? Sorry. Teams subject very close to my heart. Leicester grind out a hard-fought win over Crystal Palace, who still haven't won a league game since last year. Henry, that's two straight victories in which Leicester City didn't play particularly well. Any hidden meaning in that? One nil to the Foxes, Italian manager. He's drilling them. There's a great camaraderie. It's interesting if you if you look into the dressing room, if you can do, and you see where they sit. 
Mares, Morgan and Simpson all sit alongside each other and that partnership on that side of the pitch really works and that's echoed out out uh, in the dressing room and out on the pitch. There's a unity, they understand what they're doing. Mares is tracking back. In Newcastle the other day, Simpson was called forward, Mares tracked back and cleared. Ranieri's really got through to them. They have to defend for the team. So Ranieri made a great point too about how they... Everybody wants, except for Spurs fans, wants Leicester to win. And it's just such a such an unusual position uh, to be in. Tottenham didn't let the pressure get to them at all, though, as they wallop Bournemouth 3-0. Clive, I think I don't need to out you as a Tottenham sympathizer. This makes you feel more confident, doesn't it? At the end of the day, they won a game at home that they were supposed to win. They were and supposed they played to well. Beat Bournemouth. The but hurricane they have, was bad. But it's they good. Have, they've always played well. They are playing well. They're the leading scorers in the division. They've conceded fewer goals than anybody else. The point of the matter is they're still five points off the lead. So Leicester are still favourites. Um, possibly the international break, well, good time or a bad time, but the next game is away to Liverpool and it's one of the few times where we'll end up playing before Leicester in the next run of games and I think that's quite important we've got to try and make that count because they'll be playing catch up and every other week after that mm. but let's just keep it going but we're still second favourites what's, <laughs> what's more likely Tottenham catching Leicester or Arsenal catching Spurs that'd be ridiculous alright just checking <laughs> West Ham are held to a 2-2 draw at uh, Chelsea, but Slavin Bilic is upset at that last-ditch penalty when Ruben Loftus-Cheek appeared to be clearly fouled outside the box. From here to the end of the table, as Slavin Bilic put it. Cass, are these two points dropped? Are they the same ones that will cost them the Champions League? And if that happens, are the, are the, 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 the pornographers entitled to go down to the PGMOL office and go and, and complain and say this is really unfair we're going to sue you now we have a brand new stadium and we don't have Champions League football we won the World Cup too it, it does seem incredible that you have decisions that can make such a big difference towards the end of a season that we in football just want to ignore the right decision I just find it incredible that football just continues week after week month after month that we have these same de- debates do you know what the bottom line is Gab West Ham was so much better than Chelsea on Saturday and that, to me, was the bigger point. Although they dropped two points, and they really did, they were second-best Chelsea. Yeah, not much to cheer about in Chelsea, although Cesc Fabregas had a decent game, scored a nice free kick. Yeah. It's International Week again, uh, which some of us find incredibly deflating, especially since it's the worst kind of International Week. It's friendly International Week. So, Henry, I wish you could see the faces around the room right now. Can you please help me get them excited? Well, it's England against Germany. It can't go to penalties. <laughs> that gets me excited. It, uh, it it relaxes me. I think it's look. We've got a good crop of young players, raw talent. Let's just hope Rory unleashes them. I hope he gets the balance right, but I hope he lets the hand break off. Let Deli Ali attack. You know, Vardy. Okay, he's going to play wide left. Interesting to see who plays wide right, possibly Walcott. I can't see how Barkley and Rooney play in the same team, so no Rooney around at the moment. Maybe gives Barkley a chance. But, you know, let's go into... Look, I think we're a quarterfinal team at best, but, you know, like any actor, you need your dress rehearsals. So people slag off friendlies, and the friendly program has been cut back over the years, but it's absolutely key to, to, to give these kids a chance, to unleash them. It's going to be a big... I've been to interview Jack Butland... This is a huge moment for Jack Butland because he's obviously going to start now that Joe Hart's injured. You try telling Jack Butland this is not an important week. 
Did it do it for you? It kind of did it for me. I, I, I don't like the way it takes the momentum out of the Premier League. Mm. But you know what? I, I think there's so many themes, so many things that, you know. It is actually a break to look forward to this time. I mean, you know, things just haven't stopped. You actually have an England game and uh, a squad selection where you think, this is kind of exactly. quite good. You know, even the you know the Danny Drinkwater thing, is which one's he going to play? That's remarkable. Arsenal win at Everton, which may not be a big deal these days. But Clive, weren't Arsenal supposed to be dead and buried? Could they actually get back into the race? In terms of the title race, they are dead and buried. Ooh. It's a, look, it's 11 points. Even if they... But all those the underlying un- metrics, they win their game in hand, they're just eight points back. Win the game in hand, they're just eight points back. I mean, that that's... Eight, same, points, eight points? Seven games? It's eight points, seven point games, game? and everybody else has to dro- still drop points. And I can't... And what, they win all those... I. Where is the evidence that Arsenal are going yeah, to put together a great Yeah, but they're up against Leicester and Spurs. Run? It's not like they're, they're taking on Barcelona and Bayern. Yes, they are. <laughs> you can't. Everybody's been saying that. That's the trouble. You've fallen for that trap again. It's Leicester. If I hear that one more time, with a team that has been at the top of the table longer than anybody else, they keep saying, it's Leicester. I jest, Leicester fans. I jest. Uh, Gab, uh, one for you. A fascinating column today about uh, Aritz Aduris. But did you really have to bring up the nature versus nurture argument? Of course, because it's one of my it's one of my favorite favorite arguments, Clive. You know that. Here is a guy who, growing up, uh, played a whole range of uh, uh, of sports, and so was probably not able to get the ten thousand hours of deliberate practice. He did spend a lot of time skiing. He hardly played in games until he was fourteen or fifteen years old, because every weekend his kids would take him up a mountain and he'd go and cross country ski. In the summer, he preferred to surf. Uh, rather than go and play football with 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 Chabi Alonso and Mikel Arteta on the beach, and and who would blame him, right? If you could have made a career surfing, you would have done that rather than played football, right, Cass? Yeah, didn't uh, Lizarazzo for France? He he was a surfer, wasn't he? I he probably was. He a, was a fellow Basque. Yes, yeah, yeah. But... he was. I think he was actually very very good, not just a a surfer, but. Uh, surfed in competitions. Yeah. I, I think it's 116 goals since his 32nd birthday. At 35, he's been called up to to the the Spain squad, and he's got a legitimate shot to leap the line at the Euros, which what, I think is kind of cool. What is that saying about this? I know Costa, you know, Costa's out, but what does that say about the Spain squad? I mean, or is it? I'll be really talking about a remarkable story of a 35 year old has been called up I think it just became impossible to impossible ignore to ignore I mean yeah. and to be fair the other strikers it's not like they're all terrible I mean yeah. Paco Alcácer is 20, 22 some 23 yeah. he, it's not his fault he plays for a really bad team sorry Gary Neville but that's what Valencia are right now Morata's fantastic as he showed in the Champions League but the guy doesn't ever play 90 minutes and <laughs> that's a bit of a mystery so you know they only need one striker right so I think he's going to be in the mix Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many, many thanks to my guests today, Tony Cascarino, Clive Petty, and Henry Winter. Please press that subscribe button. We will be back right at you next week. And uh, maybe Rory K. Smith will be back. Rory, Yay, Rory, Rory, Rory. 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 He, might, he might be in London soon, actually. He might even be in London. What, really? Anyway, you remember, you can get exclusive football highlights free as part of your subscription. It's just £12 for a 12-week trial. Uh, Raheem Sterling could probably buy millions and millions of 12-week trials uh, at the time. He could buy millions and millions of time subscriptions he if he wanted to. He's charitable act of the year, couldn't he? He could just have time <laughs> subscriptions for us all. Um, just search The Times online if you're listening, Raheem. Until next week, bye-bye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. 
Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.